Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Welcome to the podcast, great to have you on. Yep, I'm excited about this very first episode of our uh, Mormon News Roundup. Right. This is the Mormon News Roundup. This is a, a brand new podcast. This is our first uh, ever episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, we're keeping things anonymous. So my name is D-Base, and that's spelled D-I-V-E-S, and I'm joined by my co-host, Al. Yep, this is Al, coming from the west side and uh, meeting up with D-Base on the east side. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> uh, right now, we're keeping things anonymous. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. in the future, we'll uh, use our real names, but I don't know about that. Uh, we're, built, uh, we're building a website that's going to go with Mormon News Roundup uh, soon. That has some costs associated with it. I didn't really realize there's web hosting costs, and there's a bunch of other costs that are associated with that. But uh, we plan on pushing this uh, podcast out to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and maybe even eventually YouTube. We've also started a, a Patreon that's on Mormon News Roundup. Uh, if you go to Patreon, search for Mormon News Roundup. That'll help us get this podcast going. And I want to discuss the purpose of this podcast uh, while, while we're on it. The, uh, I've always been uh, a, a news junkie, always been a news junkie ever since uh, ever since I can remember. I just have all the news apps on my phone and I just love following the news. And I was a uh, light, I'm still a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a member of record. But uh, I don't really go uh, every Sunday anymore. But uh, and so I really uh, kind of miss all of that Mormon news that I was really associated with. And so I went out and looked out there and I said, you know, is there any podcast or any uh, newsletters or anything out there that will give me, uh, you know, a weekly Mormon news update? And there were a couple of them, but they weren't weren't really what I was looking for. Some of them, one of them was most, more deep dives. And another one was, uh, you know, the hosts are talking about, um, you know, the, the, their their steak road show and, and kind of not, not really national, uh, very, very local yeah. stuff. And wow, are, are road shows still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, it was. I, I, I'm exaggerating so. just a little bit, but yes, it was extremely local. So I wanted to start a podcast. So, so a, I want to keep up with the uh, with the Mormon community, and uh, I want to. I still want to be a part of it, even though I'm not going every single Sunday. Hey, I, this is this is who I am, and uh, this is where, where I come from. So I just want to give a little bit of a bio for myself, and then. Uh, yeah, maybe Al, you can give some bio for yourself too. Uh, I was born into a faithful LDS family in the 1970s. I grew up in and around Salt Lake City, Utah. I graduated from you know uh, high school seminary. That's a four years for for our uh, for you know for our listeners who don't know. That's four years of uh, attending a seminary one hour per day from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, usually before school. I served a full time two year mission to the Eastern States. Where I was, when I was 19 years old, I was a full-time uh, m- uh, missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I graduated from two degrees from Brigham Young University. I married a faithful LDS woman in the Mount Tibinogos Temple in uh, American Fork, Utah. And I've served in a variety of uh, church callings, including Sunday school teacher, home teacher, primary pianist, scoutmaster, Sunday school president, member of the orchestra of Temple Square. Oops, that's not the name of it now. The, uh, <laughs> they changed the name of the orchestra of Temple Square now, but that, <laughs> that's what it is. And also, I was a member of the Mormon Choir of Washington, D.C. So I worked either full-time or part-time for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in one capacity for another in paid positions for almost 24 years. Um, so I'm still a member of record. I have four children and I currently reside outside of Washington, D.C. So, Al, do you want to tell us a little about uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah. Um, let's see. So, boy, my background. Uh, well, let's see. I was raised uh, as a, you know, born in the covenant, um, child of record. Um, let's see. I've got uh, several uh, siblings. They're all uh faithful members of the church. Um, I was a faithful member of the church myself up until, um, let's see, I was about 30 years old. But um, even so, I've really tried to help uh, bridge the gap between uh, people who are uh, LDS and people who formerly were LDS. So, um, you know, I still have a really good relationship with uh, most of my brothers and sisters. There's a, a couple of them I've become estranged from. But I'm still, you know, I haven't given up on them yet. I've, and, and by giving up on them, I don't mean uh, giving up on trying to lead them astray or anything. I uh, Talking about giving up on them, I'm not going to give up on trying to have a good, healthy relationship with my siblings. Um, you know, similar to you, you know, Divas, I didn't realize we had so much in common. I mean, we, we, we both went to BYU, both served missions. Um, you know, Go Cougars! Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we it's amazing we didn't cross paths somewhere uh, in the past, but um, I, presently I, I'm still uh, out in the west uh, western part of the United States. So, you know, I'm able to be very close to the uh, what current events of Mormondom, as it were. And um, I'm still very interested in it as it still impacts uh, my life very much, you know, regardless of uh, you know, my status with the church or the standing. Um, but I, I hope that we can, uh, going forward with this podcast, help to create a, a dialogue between uh, members and former members so that we can, you know, help maintain those relationships. Because I think it's just really sad when, you know, you lo- when people leave the church, they leave behind a lot of friends and the family, and it can be really difficult. But hopefully we can find a way to figure the way forward for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Al. And, you know, we want this podcast to be opening for uh, true believing members as the TBMs, uh, former members or people who are never been a member before and are just interested in the happenings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We want this to be a very welcoming space for for mm-hmm. all listeners. So the basically the the the, the tagline of this uh, 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 of this podcast is its name is Weekly Mormon News Roundup or Mormon News Roundup. And his tagline mm-hmm. is ruminations on the great and spacious beehive. And that's a little insider joke there. There's a, a passage in the Book of Mormon that talks about the great and spacious building, which is what one of the very first uh, of the first protagonists in the Book of Mormon has a dream. And he sees mm-hmm. the great and spacious building and the great and spacious building is filled with uh, all kinds of evil and wicked people. And we're substituting with a great and spacious building with the great and spacious beehive because the beehive stands for, uh, you know, the beehive is like uh, the, the, the church's uh, symbol of. Uh, um, that's also a reference from the Book of Mormon because um, uh, of the Deseret Kingdom, you know, uh, the, the beehive, yeah. beehive represents Utah. So it's just a tongue in cheek reference there, uh, a slightly irreverent yeah. reference to uh, ruminations mm-hmm. on what, what what's happening in the church. So it's basically a weekly Mormon news roundup where we will, you know, hopefully be entertaining podcasts designed to be appealing to everyone. And we're going to comb the Internet every week to bring you the best LDS related news insightful insights that you're not going to find anywhere else. So you're not going to find these. Well, the news articles that we're going to go through, we're going to go through about 10 news articles per week or so, maybe an hour long podcast. And these aren't the news articles mm-hmm. that you're going to find on church of Jesus Christ.org. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, an apostle, you know, dedicates a temple in Brazil. That's not necessarily uh, the news that I'm really looking for. I'm looking for more of the, uh, I would say more interesting or even slightly controversial Mormon news, uh, uh, mm-hmm 
that that is out there. Does that make sense, Al? Are you with me? I, I, I am with you. And I, I, we've got a couple of really good examples coming up this week. You know, uh, things like, uh, well, I, I found an article about um, where the black people end up being buried in the Salt Lake Cemetery. Uh, and I think you'll be really interested about uh, that story. Okay. That, well, let's let's jump right in there. Uh, that, that's, that's the basic overview of, of what we're looking for. And again, <laughs> if you want to get in contact with, uh, with us, we're at mormonnewsroundup at gmail.com. Now, eventually, we're going to move that to a domain. We're hoping for uh, mormonnewsroundup.com. Uh, and uh, but we'll have to wait on that. But if you want to get in touch with us, if you have news articles that you want us to go over or, you know, if you want to be a co-host or just get in touch with us, then send us an email. Mormon News Roundup at gmail.com. And there's two ends in that Mormon News Roundup at gmail.com. So once you dive into your and we're going to post all of these, eventually we'll be able to post all these show notes. It's going to be pushed up. You know, you'll be able to see all the articles that we're going to be discussing so that you can look them up yourself. But uh, do you want to go ahead and jump into your first article, Al? And uh, let's uh, let's see what we'll see what's going on out there. Yeah, uh, we'll do. I'll, I'll just jump right into that. Uh, the one about the cemetery, because I thought it was quite fascinating. Uh, the Salt Lake City Cemetery, as uh, this article points out, is the, the largest municipal co- uh, controlled cemetery in the United States. Um, it's uh, covering 126 acres, I believe. It's a huge cemetery. And this is where, you know, like the the pioneers that uh, crossed the plains uh, were buried. This is where the, the former prophets were buried and the apostles. Um, and it's a, a, you know, a really big cemetery. This is located up in the avenues. Now, there's two big cemeteries in Salt Lake City. And the other one, and I'm, I'm really uh, going to kick myself right here because I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, Mount Olivet, I believe. Yeah, uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah, Mount Olivet. just barely came to me. Um, and that one's located more up by the university. So if you comb through the Salt Lake Cemetery, you'll find a lot of different sections. Um, there was a section for uh, Chinese people, the Japanese that came and settled. Um, and uh, there was even uh, some different sections for different uh, faiths. But um, other faiths did come uh, later on to settle Utah alongside the, the saints. And um, so they had to find a place where they could bury their dead. And that's why there's kind of this division there. But um, even former uh, black members of the church. Is that, oh, yeah. You, you won't you won't find them in the Salt Lake Cemetery. You'll find them over in the Mount Olivet. Oh, so even so. So there's the, even even though there's an LDS section of the Salt Lake City Cemetery, even yeah. if you were a black member, even in pioneer times, who was a member of record baptized. That's- Lived your whole life, you can't be buried in that cemetery. Exactly, Divas. Ah, that's very interesting. That's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it's common practice um, for different sem. You know, the, the what makes I, I think the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a little bit unique is that a lot of faiths are were more, uh, you know, Southern Baptists. Those congregations were virtually either all white or all black. Yeah. Now, there, but obviously, early in the church, most of the congregations were white. But mm-hmm. as you look at the church, you know, even in its earliest time frame, occasionally you would see a mixed membership. Not always, but a mixed mm-hmm. membership much more, I think, than an average denomination would. Yeah. You know, but it's interesting that there was a segregation in um, where you're going to be. Even though, remember, that uh, Utah, remember, was Utah a slave state? 
Uh, Utah, uh, to begin with, uh, they they were headed in the direction of being a slave state. They were headed in the direction of being a slave state. That is correct. Mm -hmm. Um, So they definitely you think, well, you know, uh, and remember the statements from Brigham Young, you know, that he believed in slavery because he believed in the Bible. Brigham Young was an extreme literalist when it came to yeah. the Bible. There really wasn't Adam and Eve. And the Bible says what it says. It means what it says. It, that's the quote. It means what it says and it says what it means. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, as an extreme literalist of the Bible, you know, he uh, would believe he be- he believed in the, in the principle of slavery. And there were slaves in the Utah Territory. There weren't very many of them because there weren't very many black members in the Utah Territory in this time frame that we're discussing. But, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that those people would be, um, you know, kind of given, a, a, you know, a, be, be off to the side based on Brigham Young's uh, Brigham Young's statements. Yeah. No. So, you know, anybody that's either in the state of Utah or coming to visit the state of Utah, um, this is a great place to go and visit. Um, these two cemeteries, um, first of all, you'll be able to see the graves of all the, you know, former prophets and the Salt Lake Cemetery and the pioneers that crossed. But also by going through this amount, all of that cemetery, they have a, a big Catholic section. Uh, so they have like all the priests and nuns all lined up in a row. Um, in their section, but they've got all these other ones. They've got several mausoleums and tombs uh, throughout. Really beautiful cemeteries and uh, full of history. I, I, my wife and I, we'd love to go for drives um, and look at old cemeteries and see what kind of stories we can come across while we're going through there. But you know, it's it's just kind of uh, surprising to see what you can learn from a couple of tombstones. Yeah, it is. I, I'd love to come and visit that cemetery, uh, and, and and specifically look for the uh, gravestone of uh, Spencer W. Kimball because he had a great impact in my life. Mm-hmm. That's something that we're not going to be able to get into here. But uh, thanks for bringing up that article. Let me uh, sure. Let me move on to another one, and this is this this is a, a more of a we're, we're moving from the. Uh, Sublime to the ridiculous now. And that's okay. uh, this, this article. The headline is former Mormon who forged a new career as an only fan star after leaving the church says that she's been exiled by family and friends after her raunchy photos were outed to the local community. Now, for those of you who are not in the know, only fans is a subscription site that uh, is, is, uh, deals with uh, por- pornography. You have a subscription, you have a, a, a star or someone on there who is, uh, you either have per- personal access to that individual's either in videos or photos or in other circumstances. So she says she's been exiled. And uh, when you look at the pictures on this news article, it is absolutely ridiculous because it shows her in pioneer garb, like fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints garb. Just opposed to her pictures, her uh, uh, they call them raunchy, her raunchy pictures that she posted on uh, Instagram and on uh, OnlyFans. You want to talk about a juxtaposition and the uh, the average person has absolutely no context for what is going on in this article. (laughs) They're like, what? (laughs) We went from FLDS prairie dresses to OnlyFans. This is outrageous. That's quite shocking. <laughs> it, and, and that is what is amazing to me is we, we are this weekend is the general conference, the 192nd general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which they get together twice a year. All of the members uh, get together. Um, we're not going to be able to get into that particular general conference as much during this podcast. We might talk about that in the next one because I don't think we have time. But there was more news articles for this woman, Skylar. Than there was on the biggest uh, Mormon conference that has happened in three years. Wow. 
Yeah. When you, when you yeah. search for Mormon, you get about 20 hit. You get about 20 hits on general conference. You get about 200 hits on this. So this is big news. <laughs> this, this is big news. It's incredible. Uh-huh. So what, what, what is amazing to me about this, this particular article is it shines a light on the church's practice of not removing members out of the church when they have obviously mentally or physically left the church. So mm-hmm. you, you're never going to see an article like this for uh, like an Amish person doing it. Why? Because as soon as they leave the church, they're not uh, the Amish church or the Mennonite church or another. They're not members of that church anymore. When you leave Amish, that's it. You're, you're not Amish anymore. It's not like, huh, yes, yeah. this person's uh, still Amish. Well, this person, uh, Skylar, never removed her records from the church, even though she obviously is disaffected and has nothing whatsoever to do with the church anymore. Mm-hmm. But she's still considered a Mormon. That's right. <laughs> the most, she says that she's being slut shamed by the women in her community. Um, but the question I have for you, Al, is uh, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that posting risque photos on a subscription site that is basically only for subscribers, this isn't for children, this isn't just on, on the Internet, is that grounds for uh, removal of your records? They used to call this excommunication, but they do not call it any excommunication anymore. They call it removal of your uh, your records. Is this grounds for a removal of her records, posting risque photos of her uh, doing this, that, and the other? Wow, Dives, uh, that is a that that question would be answered differently depending on which bishop you talk to. I think, and that's uh, you know that that's not to say that the church isn't uniform, uniform and universal. It's just that's how the church works. Is um, they really leave the disciplinary actions up to the local uh, clergy. So I mean, there are some bishops where absolutely she would be um, she would have her records removed and as a disciplinary action. Uh, there's other bishops that would try to work with her that would try to get her to stop. Um, I don't know if there's any bishops out there. I, I'm not sure what the current handbook of instruction says. If if she could still remain a member in good standing or even a member um, in not good standing uh, with a, an OnlyFans and being so open about it. So. Yeah. That's an interesting question, and that's what they call the bishop roulette. You, you know, yeah. these 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 uh the decisions of who retains membership is kept at a very local level, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's done for reason for for a number of reasons. But one of which is they don't really want senior leaders of the church speaking about general authorities or area authority seventies or the senior leaders of the church to really get their hands dirty in these mm-hmm. uh little tit for tat. That's kind of maybe that was the wrong phrase for this particular mm-hmm. article, but. <laughs> but in these little uh in these little skirmishes they want them to be above the fray so it's really you're right it really is just going to depend on what her bishop says but these photos that she's posted they are risque but posting a risque photo on the internet does that really mean that you need to be kicked out of the church that's that's the question i I, it's a it's a tough question because these are things that um people who are baptized into the church of jesus christ latter-day saints covenant uh to uh stand as a representative of the church and its teachings so you know on the one hand it really is a matter of bishop roulette where it could go either way uh it it could be just a matter of well you know is she interested in keeping her uh membership status um and you know to be honest i i don't think that people would really care 
if she wasn't a member anymore. I mean, she could go on to OnlyFans and call herself a, a Mormon, uh, wh- whatever she wants to call herself, um, but or, or call it Mormon OnlyFans. Uh, but, you, you know, you can do that without being a member of the church. And, uh, you know, it, it just seems to me that to be respectful to the church, she probably ought to remove her records if she's going to engage in that kind of activity. Um, and, and maybe that kind of ruins the allure for some of her clientele. I that's the, <laughs> that's the thing is is when you say I'm a Mormon on OnlyFans, is that going to drive traffic to you? Is she utilizing her church membership for monetary gain? And in the meanwhile, which would be uh, against the church's principles, yeah. uh, you know, she's u- utilizing her former membership or current membership, as the case mm-hmm. may be. For, for, for monetary gain in a way that is not in conformity with what the church's current stand. True. So that's why I think that the church might, could, could certainly be involved um, uh, with the situation. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how, you know, we'll, we'll follow this one. I, I want to see, see what the resolution, because now that it's been all over the news, I mean, all over the place, there's, you know, the church has the Strengthening Church Members Committee, and that's the big committee up at, at Salt Lake City that combs the internet, Facebook, Instagram, and all these other places and looks for... Um, uh, uh, members. Uh, this was acknowledged by uh, you know senior church members, including Elder uh, Jeffrey Holland, who said that the church, Strengthening Church Members Committee does in fact exist, and they forward those things onto the local bishops at the local levels, so that the bishops um, can be able to take action if they so desire. So I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would imagine that this has already come to a local leader's attention. I'm sure it has. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good on that one. We'll we'll leave that one alone. Uh, you uh, had a registered sex offender uh, yeah. news news one gentleman up in uh, you know and I I, I don't want to even give this guy the recognition by uh, referring to him by his name so a uh, gentleman up in the state of Minnesota got himself put in as a bishop of his ward and um, he was a registered sex offender nobody checked his his record. And he's, I mean, it's not like it was a secret. He know he didn't tell anybody, didn't, which I guess is could be considered a violation of his uh, parole or his, you know, uh, uh, that some, sometimes they are, it depends on state to state, whether you're mandatory, mandated to go and report to all your neighbors and tell everybody that you are a registered sex offender. And some people uh, don't do that. So uh, one way or another, this this guy got uh, put in. Um, let's see. Wait, I don't well, think he was put in as a bishop. I think he was put in as a as a elders quorum president. Uh yeah. He uh, that I believe that's what it says. Um, yeah. That he was put in as an elders quorum president. Yeah, that's right. Which so, is considered a leader. Uh, which is would be maybe uh, would say third, third or fourth in charge of a, of a local uh, Mormon congregation, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so. I thought that there was a federal thing that you had to register as a federal sex offender and that at any time you can search a federal database and see where the registered sex offenders are around. Uh, is that not a thing? Uh, it still is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So even whether it's local or not, he, you know, the people around him would yeah. be able to look him up and say, hey, why, you know, he, 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 this this guy is on the sex offenders list. Yeah. You know, and that's this, exactly how, how he got found out. <laughs> right. So the, the question, you know. How are how is this individual appointed to this position? How how does that occur? Uh, well, okay. So when the the church is very clear that uh, bishops need to prayerfully uh, consider who they're going to call for these for these positions. 
So um, he'll, uh, well, and for an elders quorum, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember, uh, is an elders quorum president appointed by the stake president Does because it mm-hmm. falls under Melchizedek priesthood? You know, you could be right about that. You know, because the I know that the bishop calls uh, the Aaronic priesthood leaders. Yeah. But I, I believe that the stake president's in charge of calling the Melchizedek priesthood leaders. The more that you say that, the more that I think that you're right. So a stake president would be over a multiple, uh, you know, he'd be the equivalent yeah. maybe of, a, of like a, uh, mm-hmm. of an archbishop in the Catholic faith over multiple congregations. Yeah. So, but even so, I'm sure that uh, stake presidents rely heavily on the recommendations of the local bishops sure. because the bishops are more involved with the, with the individual members of their ward. Right. Um, and yeah. as elders quorum president, though, he wouldn't necessarily be in the position to uh, be around uh, children very much. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, this really isn't as as uh, black or uh, well, it's it's not as dark gray as it could be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's definitely gray. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, it brings up the point. Look, if yeah. you uh, if you drive for Uber, if you drive for Lyft, if you even drive for DoorDash, that's where you pick up the food and deliver it to people. Every single one of those organizations does an eight dollar background check on the people who are going to be employees for that organization. It's only eight dollars, mm-hmm. but the church, to my knowledge, does not background check anyone—not just the elders, quorum presidents, but the people who are directly associated with children in the primary, in the Sunday yeah. school, in the Boy Scouts. There's no background checks for anyone anywhere. I've never heard of one being done. No, I've never heard of someone who someone they said, you know, this is our man. We want him to do this particular calling. All we need to do is wait for the background check. Oops, you, know, you got red flag. We're not going to be able to point you to that. Yeah. So that, that's really something that the church, especially not, not necessarily the elders quorum, not probably not every single calling. You know, if you're uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a calling here. Uh, if you're the war, you know, if you're the organist in, okay. in the church, OK, you probably don't need to background check the organist. But um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the primary, the Sunday school, uh, especially the Boy Scouts, I know the church doesn't do much in Boy Scouts anymore. Why aren't these positions uh, uh, background checked? Now, the, 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 the answer is, well, we pray about the person that the people who are selecting these individuals, they are praying about it and getting God's confirmation saying, OK, this is the person who needs to be in for this job. The problem is, is that those prayers don't seem to um, I don't know. They don't seem to encompass the prior history of this individual, either that or they knew he was a registered sex offender and put him in anyway. Exactly. Well, th- this is a situation where. It's a, a little more grim than normal because I, there's t- there's several instances in all faiths where you have some a predator that preys upon children, and you know so, someone's not a criminal, someone someone is not necessarily considered a criminal until they've been caught, correct? Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, but this is a situation that's a little different. This is a, a criminal who has been caught who's been who's served his time and has been released into the community and he's and so he moved he relocated to a new area and then got put into this position where really uh there's only two ways of finding that out and uh it looks like the church decided to or at least the the church the local church leaders decided to lean on the spirit telling them uh, whether this guy was worthy or not, instead of uh, doing that with a background check. Well, I'm all for all of the above. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's high time that the church really um, conforms to even what the basics of. Uh, I mean, th- these lawsuits from the church are millions and millions of dollars when somebody yeah. gets abused and they're a former sex offender. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a ten dollar background check here. Yeah. I just wonder why is the church gambling with, you know, you can you can run, you know, these these are multimillion dollar lawsuits. Mm-hmm. You can do an awful lot of background checks before you come up to that figure of the multimillion dollar lawsuits. Well, so. I think that the church is going to sooner or later have to own up to the fact that it's a church with a lot of imperfect people in it. And so the church needs to acknowledge that just because people are members of the church does not necessarily make them uh, infallible and doesn't make them safe to be around even. Right. I agree. Okay, let's move on to another article. And that's the new series that's coming along. It's uh, Under the Banner of Heaven trailer starring Andrew uh, Garfield, where he questions Mm -hmm. his faith. So this is going to be hitting Hulu here in just a couple of weeks. Based on the uh, true crime bestseller by John Krakauer, Mm -hmm. it's a devout detective whose faith, whose Mormon faith, is put to the test as he investigates a brutal double murder that seems to be connected to an esteemed Utah family spiral into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints fundamentalism. This is this is a very curious. This is a very curious uh, premise for a show. So if you look at the tra- if you watch the trailer, you'll see that mm-hmm. they do uh, they have uh, uh, depictions of what happens inside of the um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints temples, including the endowment ceremony, including the initiatory ceremony, including uh, Mormons wearing full uh, temple garb. Most uh, faithful LDS members consider that to be highly offensive and uh, very, very uh, inappropriate. What's interesting to me is that Andrew Garfield, who's the star, remember, he was the guy who did this. I think he was the second Spider-Man. That's what he's oh. famous for. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised LDS. Okay. Oh. He was raised LDS, knows all about it. And when you look at his statements, um, they're not exactly, uh, shall we say, uh, Fox News fair and balanced. We'll just put oh. it that way. <laughs> he's, got a bit, he's got a bit of an axe to grind, it seems. See. And also the screenplay, who, uh, who who wrote the screenplay, he's the one who did the screen, the showrunner did the, uh, the you know, the Big Love, that's the HBO series. That oh, showed. yeah. Uh-huh. He's the same guy who did Big Love. And um, he's also the same one who did uh, a couple of other a couple of other things. But both of these guys in their statements, they're both former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They both seem to have a pretty significant axe to grind. So I'm not I haven't watched. Obviously, the show has not been released yet, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a real fair and balanced uh, view of the church, especially when it says that they are spiraling into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints fundamentalism. What does that mean? Um, You know, I remember, well, I'm not quite old enough to uh, remember the details when the story came out. Um, But this goes back to the 80s. I was alive, you know, when it came out, but I wasn't living in the area. The area that occurred in, I believe, was down in American Fork in Utah County. And uh, these uh, brothers had gotten into some sort of when it talks about LDS fundamentalism, these guys were going to the mainstream, um, you know, Brigham Young led uh, LDS church, the, uh-huh. the, the church that we would that we call the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints today, and so you know, and that's what it was called back in the 1980s. But uh, these guys had gotten 
digging into like the 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 past and a lot of the quotes from like the Brigham Young Journal of Discourses, the teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. These guys had uh, gotten into this uh, fundamentalist point of view that okay, well, polygamy was always supposed to be a thing, and so. Uh, they felt like they had a revelation that they were supposed to, you know, kind of guide the church back to that. But um, really, this is uh, with the the point of view of the church to this. I think this was a case of the tail trying to wag the dog. And, uh, you know, these uh, young men were were wrong to try and lead the church from uh, from their uh, position in American Fork. These guys weren't uh, the leaders of the church, they didn't have any rights to tell the church where to go or how to, uh, behave or how to act. So they couldn't even, they couldn't speak for the church at all. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, this story, boy, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, there was, it it involved murder. Uh, there was a lady that, uh, was killed, uh, as a result of this and it, it got really nasty. Um, I haven't read the book. I've, I'm aware of the book, but, um, you know, when it comes to these stories uh, that get put out onto a streaming service, uh, let's see, they, they've had a couple of them come out. Um, it, Abducted in Plain Sight was about an LDS family up in Pocatello, Idaho. And the way that that one approached it, um, their LDS faith was part of what made them kind of quirky, but it wasn't really the cause or the driving force behind that story. Um, I think that one's a good uh, story for LDS people to watch because it, it can help them understand that just because you're LDS and you go to church with friends and neighbors doesn't mean that those friends and neighbors might not be trying to prey on you and your family. Uh-huh. Um, let's see, last year, the other one was the Mormon and Mormon murders, the story of Mark Hoffman. Yes. Loved, yeah. loved it. And I think that one's a good one for LDS members to watch. You know, I think uh, that, that was, could, couldn't have been more fair and balanced. If you had absolutely, that was absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I, the, there are gonna, good examples out yeah. there Dives, about, you know, the people that, who are LDS can see the church being represented in um, the media around them without the fear of the media trying to tear the church down. Because I, I right. know that, I know that, uh, let's see, uh, what was the Dan Brown book that they, The Lost Symbol? When that one came out, I thought, I, I had heard several people say it was anti-Mormon. Um, I actually read the book. Uh, it mentions Joseph Smith once in, mm-hmm. a, in one tiny little paragraph. He talks about Joseph Smith uh, hunting for gold in, uh, in New York. And, you know, by this, they referenced, you know, claiming they'd found gold plates. He never did (laughs) for a gold in New York, but that's beyond the point. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he really did. He did it. And he he never found any gold. But that's that's beyond the point. That's what I mean to say. He never found any gold. But let me just ask you a million dollar question that goes along with this. Is it fair game to be showing inside of the temple the most sacred LDS ceremonies? to a, an audience that is not prepared for them, doesn't really know what they're seeing. And when you have the showrunner and the star who have said specifically that they have real access to grind against the church, is that fair? Oh boy. You know, this is the million dollar question, Dives. I've got, uh, I've got, I don't have an ax to grind with the church on this issue. Um, when it comes to the temple, I believe that 
the church has the right to their own uh, secrecy, their own privacy. That being said, and, and being a, a temple member myself, um, you know, not without getting into it too deeply, I think that the, I think there's certain things that it helps to see them in a different light. And what I mean by that is if as a, as a true believing member of the church, if you see things inside the temple, you're going to see them, uh, you know, firsthand. Exactly. Right. But yeah. you're not going to get a perspective of being a fly on the wall, like watching a, a, a video production of it. Yeah. Or, you know, and so I think this, this can actually be a, a situation that can be good for the, for the LDS people <laughs> that they, they can take a look at the, temple rituals in a different setting and to see what uh, you know see what do they get right what do they get wrong my guess if i was a you know a heavily gambling man i would put my money on that it's going to be pretty accurate you think so Uh, i think so and i think i I think it will be because of uh the things we talked about earlier the writing was done by somebody that knows what he's talking about and the acting is done by somebody who's been there before Yep. So I think that they've got, I think they've got their ducks in a row on this one. I'll be interested to watch it myself and find out just how accurate it is. Right. Um, and if, if any of our true believing members out there are hesitant, don't want to get themselves into a situation, we'll follow this one too. After it comes out and I watch it, hey. I'll come, we'll, I'll come back and I'll tell you, Hey, you know, this is something that's probably going to hurt your feelings. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens no matter what. That's okay. right. Uh, what I think you also have, uh, you got a same sex. Uh, there's a new a news article about a same sex support, Mormon yeah. same sex support, uh, which I found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, now I know you've got a, a lot of articles uh, to to go through still, so I'm not, I'm just going to touch on this <laughs> I don't one know if briefly. We'll get to all of them. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm just going to touch on this one briefly, Divas. Okay. So it's it was remarkable that support within the LDS Church has doubled for members of the LGBTQ community. Doubled. In how long? Oh, I believe it was in 20 years, over the last 20 years. So well, I, I read the article. It said only in the last 10, 2011. In the last 10. That's even better. <laughs> in the last 10 years, it's doubled. In the last 10 years. Wow. That is seismic. You know, and I think that what this comes about from is people have more interaction with those who are comfortable being out of the closet, being themselves. So, and also when, when the, when the, uh, the, you remember more, half of the members of the church in the United States, when the Supreme court legalized gay marriage, mm-hmm. there, there's nothing to, there's very little to fight for now. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very friendly environment now uh, right. for, for members of the LGBTQ community. And so as you get more and more people, they're feeling comfortable in their skin, feeling free to come out. They're having those conversations with their loved ones. They're having conversations with members of the church. And the members of the church are coming to find that, you know, this person who I've always loved um, is, you know, it's okay. You know, the, the, their lifestyle doesn't impact me in such a way that I need to even worry about it. So I think that uh, this is a, I, I'm, I'll bet you our listeners out there have actually had these kinds of conversations with their loved ones. And they've come to, the ter- to terms with this whole thing. And then they've come to see that, you know, why can't people just be people? I mean, people pondered their own navels on this and said, well, why am I 
heterosexual? Why am I not uh, bisexual or uh, transsexual or homosexual? And right. so they, they've had to ask these questions. You know, if is it just because God made me straight? Or is it because, you know, I choose to be straight? Because, you know, I don't know that I necessarily chose to be straight. That's just how I am. Well, if I'm this way, is it possible that somebody can be different? And that's just the way that they came. Yeah. One of, one of the big things from this article that I found interesting mm-hmm. is that ranked all, it showed all the religions and it showed opposition to religiously based service refusals, meaning can uh, I as a businessman refuse to serve gays? Because gays are not a protected class, according to um, you know t- the, the, the federal law. There's certain classes mm-hmm. you cannot discriminate against. You can't discriminate against color, against sex, against race, against age. But gays are not a protected class. So you can discriminate mm-hmm. against gays if you want to for services mm-hmm. and yeah. they ranked all of the different um they uh, they ranked all the different religions muslims mm-hmm. judas uh, uh jewish buddhist hindu hispanic protestants mm-hmm. and latter-day saints were almost at the very most uh, uh high saying we shouldn't discriminate against lgbtq even if we're legally allowed to do so that's a very different uh, direction than the leadership has tried to steer the church. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is the understatement of the year. Yeah. <laughs> that is, remember, the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints used to fire women when they got pregnant. You know, we were True. talking about, you know, back in the 70s, back before that became outlawed. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just we're seeing a seismic change here that, uh, you know, that how long can the church hold out on these LGBTQ issues? It doesn't seem like it's going to be very long because the next generation of leaders are the ones who are going to be believing what's in this survey. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the church has been boy, uh, for a, a long time, just one generation away from change. Correct. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, I think it's a step in the positive. I think it's a step in the mm-hmm. right direction. So uh, I think it, it'll continue in the millennial generation, especially in the church. Uh, you know, with the policy of exclusion back in 2015, which the church released for three years, which said that uh, children of gay parents could not become members, could not receive a name, could not be baptized, could not um, uh, participate fully. And then they repealed it in 2018. Yeah, because that's, that caused a lot of hate. Huge backlash. In fact, the, the, the guy who runs the Quit Mormon uh, website, which is a, uh-huh. a way to submit your resignation, said that he saw a spike like you wouldn't believe after that policy came out. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. the church, uh, a three-year revelation for the church, most of these revelations can take 150 years for change. We saw a three-year change in the church's trajectory. That is unprecedented. That just yeah. doesn't happen. So uh, I think you're seeing a big groundswell, and, and, and I think it's moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we've got, uh, you're trying to keep this podcast to an hour. I've got a couple of other articles, and this one just came yeah. as well. This is the uh, Mormon Church. Uh, this is the uh, the Sydney Morning Herald on April 3rd. You know, we should be saying the, the titles of it. Yeah, after. that's right. The, the Sydney, <laughs> Sydney, Australia, right? This yeah, one's, Sydney uh, Morning Herald. Under. Mormon Inc., Church Accused of Multinational Tax Fraud. And this was led by Dr. Simon Southerton, who are you familiar with uh, Dr. Southerton? He's a former LDS bishop. He was also one who wrote the book uh, Losing a Lost uh, Losing a Lost Tribe about a DNA and the Book of Mormon. He's one of he's a genetic. Oh. Do you remember him? Anyway, yeah. yes, he's the one who uh, he, he, he's basically a whistleblower of this. And it's an investigation about how the church based uh, church appears to have structured itself internationally to minimize its tax uh, tax burden in Australia 
in a, uh, in a in a bad way. It says it's all smoke and mirrors thing, and that the church who has attacked... See, we don't know... The church finances are extremely opaque, but in mm -hmm. some uh, countries, in some uh, countries like uh, mm -hmm. Great Britain, like Canada, yeah. like Australia, if you're a tax-exempt religious entity, you have to disclose your finances. You yeah, can't do don't... it like the United States, where we don't know how much the church has brought in. We don't know how much they're sending out. We don't know almost anything whatsoever because it's all under a shroud of secrecy. That is not the case in Australia, Britain, and in several other countries out there. So we have the church's records in Australia. So what they're saying here is that the, since 2015, the Australian adherents have said that they've been able to have $400 million in extra tax deductions were, that were not available to other religious denominations. This is a big whistleblower complaint. Now, the biggest thing in here, well, there's a couple of big things. They said that the church from 1985 to 2010 spent just $36,000 a year for the entire country on average. Only wow. $36,000 That's the it. entire country of Australia. And we're talking about 61,000 members on average during that time frame, spending yeah. 50 cents per member in Australia. Holy smokes. I mean, we're talking about historically low levels yeah. of charitable givings. So they're saying that now the church receives $100 million in tithing donations every year in Australia. These numbers mm -hmm. are, are public figures, as according to this, uh, and that they are, are doing almost nothing good with it. They said LDS Charities Australia is saying that they are uh, is supposed to be the third largest contributor to Australia's charitable, um, according to a snapshot of charitable donations on Australia. LDS Charities Australia is supposed to be contributing seventy million dollars, but they're saying, "Hey, we're not seeing." Uh, we're not seeing this. There's no uh, yep. I'm to look for the uh, the exact. It's shocking. This is how they said it is shocking how little that they give. That's There's... you know. So did, did you say seventy million dollars? Yes. So and they're giving thirty six thousand. Right. So so that's what like half a percent. We're talking about very oh very little. This is in this is all, this is going in line with. Remember the whistleblower uh, Nielsen mm -hmm. brought forth the uh, enzyme. Yeah. He, mm -hmm. he had a similar whistleblowing complaint where he said the church has a hundred billion dollar uh, uh, arm investment arm that has a hundred mm -hmm. billion dollars in reserve, which is mostly locked up in the stock market, and yeah. they're not doing anything charitable with it whatsoever. That the bail, the, the, the only mm -hmm. thing that they've done with it in the last twenty years is that they bailed out an insurance company and they built mm -hmm. the City Creek Mall. And we're seeing yeah. the same thing in this particular uh, whistleblower complaint, too, that says the church is stockpiling money. When people pay those the $100 million a year, the Australians give 161,000 Australians give $100 million a year. That money is going to Salt Lake City, and it is not being go uh, used in Australia to alleviate suffering um, oh, of the poor. And, um, you know, the, I'm trying to look for the quote in this article, but they said there's no there's no orphanages that there's no orphanages that the church sponsors in Australia. There's no yeah. there's very few food. There's very few uh, bishop storehouses. And those are used on a very limited scale. There's no vaccine programs. There's no um, there's no, uh, you know, women, when women or, or other people have domestic violence issues, you could have homes where they could come mm -hmm. and be safe. The church doesn't run any of those things in Australia. Oh. Yeah, Dives, there's, I mean, I'm involved with a lot of different, uh, like, uh, uh, different charitable organizations that provide services uh, to the community. And there's several ways for any uh, charitable organization to give back. You've just mentioned a handful of them right off the top of your head, right? right. 
no wonder the Australian government is so angry about this. <laughs> what was they don't set up schools, they don't set up hospitals, they don't have yeah. shelters, they don't have places for women to escape mm. from their bad marriages. So what yeah. is this money going to? So well, you can yeah, see- and and that might that might fly here in the United States, where you know, uh, especially in our own little fiefdom out here in the West. Correct. But um, you know, in Australia, they they won't be okay with that kind of opaqueness. No, no, they, they won't. Want, they want and- transparency. And you could say, okay, the Enzyme Peak guy, that's just one whistleblower. It could be a one-off. Well, maybe he got it. Maybe he got it wrong. Maybe the whistleblower complained, even though he had a ton of documents and he really had a lot of information, hundreds and hundreds of documents. Maybe he just was a guy with an axe to grind. But we're starting to see that in multiple places where we're not seeing the charitable uh, contributions that come from this tithe. Tithing is not generally – the tithing, it appears, is used to build the kingdom of God on earth. It is not used to alleviate human suffering, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and to visit the sick and afflicted. Yeah, and there, there can be the argument to be said that, you know, tithing isn't for that. That's what fast offerings and other donations are for. Well, that's okay, but though, where are the fast offerings going? Right. Are, those, are they being used? Are these offerings actually being used for it? And we trust that the church is doing that. Um, but it sounds like Australia is not willing to just trust them, or at least shouldn't be willing to just trust them based off of what this whistleblower was saying. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. We're still working. We're still waiting to see what the fallout is of the of the Enzyme Peak whistleblower, because that was a whistleblower yeah. complaint to the IRS. And by the way, when you are mm-hmm. a whistleblower to the IRS, you get a whistleblower, uh, a percentage of oh. of whatever it is that you're whistleblowing because they want to make it worth your while. So yeah. if the church, so th- this guy could be taken care of very well. <laughs> this guy could be the most wealthy, you know, the w- most wealthy Mormon, by the way, who just resigned from the church uh, only six yeah. months ago. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he was a, a big time tech guy. I forget his name. He was a, he, he moved to California. He, yeah, he was worth six billion. But uh, uh, and you know uh, the Sorensen guy, he's only worth uh, he's only a uh, Huntsman mm-hmm. and Sorensen. Those guys are only only worth about two billion. But if this yeah. whistleblower goes through and he gets ten percent. We could be looking at the most wealthy Mormon in the world. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> well, for, yeah, for a hundred and fifty plus billion dollar corporation, and that's just in the one arm. That's the one. The, there could be yeah. multiple investment arms. We don't. Yeah, know. We, we we don't know, and that's the problem. Is that I know the church publishes its financials uh, with along with conference. You know that they say, oh well, this is our audit of what's going on, but. Uh, that from what the whistleblower said about the Enzyme Peak, that audit is not as um, straightforward and transparent as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I guess we'll see how this whole thing pans out. This is going to be an interesting new story to watch. It will be obviously Simon Southerton. Let's just be very clear. He does have an axe to grind. He was ex- sure. this is back in the day. He was excommunicated the church from the church for adultery, but he said that that was a farce and that he was excommunicated from the church because he brought up. He's the one who really brought forth the DNA and the Lamanites and the Book of Mormon showing that uh, that the DNA yeah. does not work out. He says that's the reason that he was excommunicated. So the person who brought this the, this this complaint though he um, mm-hmm. he definitely has an agenda. Interesting. Yeah, this is this is going to be really interesting to follow and see what see what the outcome is. Right. Do you uh, do you have any other news articles that you want to go through? Oh, I, I think I've done all the ones that I'm uh, really up on. I had one about this conspiracy guy, but it, it's it's kind of garbage. First oh. of all, the guy was fundamentalist, <laughs> so it's it's one of those uh, polygamous tiny offshoots that 
Well, yeah, you know, and his conspiracy theory really wasn't all that interesting. But let's let's you have several more. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that brings up a good point. We are going to be focusing this podcast on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, even though it is Mormon news roundup. Now, that is not to say that we will not cover other. Uh, it, it, we won't be covering the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, who's now uh, renamed themselves to the Community of Christ. They have two hundred fifty thousand members, or the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, which has about ten thousand members, or any of the other uh, Mormon related. It's hard. It's hard to say sects or offshoots or others. We certainly will be covering. Any Mormon news we want to cover, but we're certainly going to be since 99 percent of all Mormons are adherents to the Church of Jesus of the Brighamite sect. That's after yeah. named after Brigham Young, Brighamite. We're going to be focusing on that for sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so like these fundamentalists, I, the, the term Mormon, really, I would apply it to anybody who believes that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And and that includes all of the sects that uh that shot off at one point or another. I think that's a good, you know, I've never heard that definition. That is a fabulous definition for who should be a Mormon. Now the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints wants to have the exclusive mm-hmm. term when they, when they release their uh, guidance to the associated press. Yeah. They say, Hey, we're the only Mormons. None of these rest of these guys are Mormons. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and because that didn't work, that's why they uh, tried to get rid of the, the whole um, Mormon word uh, two years ago. But um, that's the definition that I've given to to um, the term Mormon is anybody who uh, claims to be a follower of Joseph Smith, because that's as far back as it really goes. I mean, that's when the, the term was coined. That's when it came about. That's where it came from. And really, uh, anybody that calls themselves a Mormon uh, believes that they're following Joseph Smith. Right. I, I think that I think that's good. Um, this is General Conference weekend. Mm-hmm. So um, so. You know, you would think that, hey, this is the first time. First of all, we haven't had an in-person general conference in three years. True. Okay. So this is the first time Now they had limited. uh, We obviously do an entire podcast on the news that comes out of that. Yeah. Potentially. But this is the first time they've had a conference in three years. Now, they have limited uh, seating in there. Uh, They only had 10,000 people per session when the yeah. conference center uh, holds 21,000. So it is, it is yeah. still limited. So some of the news that came, I mean, it is hard, hard to find news that comes out of these conferences. Yeah. And there just isn't that much because these conferences mm-hmm. are honestly, if you turn one in and you were to mix the tape up with something that mm-hmm. occurred back in the seventies or even the sixties, you would barely <laughs> be able to tell the difference. That's a really good point you make, DBs. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I don't follow general conferences uh, closely as when I was an active member, but I still follow it because it does uh, pertain or it applies to, you know, living out here in the West, you know, I interact with LDS people frequently on a daily basis. So it, like uh, you said, or like we said at the beginning of this podcast episode, um, this is just a way for me to be a part of my community. So, uh, you know, when it comes to general conference, I, I wish that, it was a little bit more changed up or that they had a different type of a theme or something because yeah, you're exactly right. You can, they all run together. They all sound the same. It seems like the the topics never change. It is. is. So this is look, okay. So this is what general conference could be. It could be much. The only news that really comes out of general conference is locations of temples. Yeah. We're going to build temples in X, Y, and Z. And uh, Mm -hmm. president Nelson has been, 
extremely uh, uh, very very active in in announcing temples not quite yeah. a, uh, not quite as uh, uh, as much in actually building those temples yeah he he's uh, definitely taken a lot of inspiration from uh, his predecessor Gordon B Hinckley right because uh, he really flooded the earth with temples the way that uh, Ezra Taft Benson was flooding the earth with the Book of Mormon correct and now uh, uh, Russell M Nelson seems really eager to flood the earth with big temples to get rid of the mini temples that uh, they were doing right. and start doing the big ones again and uh, and do them frequently and everywhere there's no but reason still, yeah you're right we have a huge list of temples that have yet to have ground broken on them right. um, in places like russia or china they those governments are not open yet right. so I, I think a lot of it's wishful thinking but you know, there's there's certainly a lot of the ones in Utah are going to get built. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> there's already 29 temples in Utah. One wonders you can barely swing a dead cat by tail without hitting a temple ground in Utah. 29 temples, and there's only so much inhabited space in Utah. Half of it is Dugway, and the other half of it is uh, is wilderness way out in the middle in, in way out in the middle of nowhere. So. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the some of the news, we'll, we'll just keep it brief here. Some of the news that came out of this general conference, first of all, they released their statistics for the first time um, in a while. Oh. And what the statistics showed was a growth rate of the church of 0.8, not 0.8 percent, 0.8 percent. So this this isn't exactly um, this. This is it's better than a shrinkage, I suppose, but it's not mm -hmm. exactly the stone cut out of the mountain that Daniel saw in King Nebuchadnezzar no. in the Old Testament. That stone, as Joseph Smith said, that stone was supposed to be cut out of the mountain without hands mm -hmm. and was supposed to roll forth to fill the earth. Yeah, like a snowball effect. That is know. correct. But the, this is not a snowball. No, sir, it is not a snowball. Let me let me tell you, Al, look, the global population is increased. What we didn't realize is that that mountain that the stone is rolling down, that mountain is actually getting larger by the day. Yeah, because the global population in continues to increase. Now, the global population sure. is increasing at about one point six percent per year. So mm -hmm. this is a couple years in a row of the church of uh, that stone, which is supposed to be rolling down. It is not rolling down because it is not gaining ground to get to the bottom. It's actually the mountain. There's more terrain below the stone for the last couple of years than there is on stone going down. Does that make sense? Because it's not gaining on the global population. You're right. That's a really good point. Yeah. So we're 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 not we're not glad. So the, the statistics to say that they are uh, a disappointment. I would say that they're uh, generally a disappointment. Um, and uh, you can blame COVID for that. There's absolutely no doubt. But that's that's yeah. some of the news that came out. Hey, we got to see that. Number two, the in the in the leadership session of General Conference, not the priesthood session, the leadership session of General Conference. That is what occurs on Thursday night. That is not available to you and me. That is not available to the regular member. That is only available to senior leaders. It's not broadcast. There's no transcripts. That's really, uh, I don't believe that there's any transcripts. I've never read the leadership session. Yeah. So is, is the leadership session something new? That's no, they've always had that. It's where all the general authorities oh. from the area authorities all the way up to the set, all 12 uh, quorums of the area authorities, all of the, the uh, 89, uh, 70 of uh, the regular general authorities, the 15 apostles, the 70, uh, seven, first quorum of the 70, second quorum of the 70, presiding bishopric, all these guys come in for the leadership session oh. that's before conference. 
And, you know, they announced 46 new area authority 70s during that session. That is hardly news. But um, I think what that shows to me is that and they also in regular session, they called about six new general authorities. In general, it appears that the church turns over about 10 percent of its area authority 70s and 10 percent of its regular general authority 70s per year. Because remember, these folks, all men, by the way, all men Mm -hmm. are. uh, these these men are put out to pasture. Once they hit 70, they're put into emeritus status. Yeah. So there's something like 500 of these guys, and you have to replace about 10% of them. That's about 50 per year. So, I mean, that came out of conference as well. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot to chew on. Yes, and they replaced the General Relief Society presidency, uh, all three, and they re- replaced the general uh, primary presidency. They have full changeover of the female leadership. You have six, basically six female uh, leaders in the church, and that is balanced out by, if you could count all 12 quorums of the area authority 70s, 500 men. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a 100 to 1 ratio. Of yeah, men. This, this is heavily lopsided. <laughs> that is yeah, hugely <laughs> lopsided. Yeah. You know? And of of course, the, the church uh, will uh, justify this by saying that that these are priesthood um, positions. So you know, have to be a holder of the priesthood and have to be male to hold the priesthood in order to have one of these positions. Except for the six uh, female positions, which is the uh, presidency of the Relief Society and the presidency of the primary. Yeah. Yep, um, and it seems like they've avoided. They, this is a very tame conference. They are ch- attempting to avoid all controversies. There's been very, very little ripples of anything, of misstatements, of missteps, of anything. It just seems to be, uh, if you look at the summaries uh, of, and I've watched some of this conference much more than in previous time, in mm-hmm. the pre- last previous uh, times, but mm-hmm. it, they're looking for a very cautious approach, a very, uh, you know, just a very safe, this is our, you know, the first general conference in a couple of years. We're just keeping things very safe, very mm-hmm. cautious, Let's not rock the boat. Let's just, uh, you know, the, 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 the ABC News says Mormon stresses unity amid polarization. That's just, we're just looking for a unifying conference. Let's not rock the boat. Uh, President Nelson addressed the Ukraine thing, but he did so in extremely um, very safe language. Um, you know, it's just a very, very, there's just never, uh, never much news. Now, we're about to wrap this up because I think we're reaching about the end. But what yeah. could general conference news be like? That's what I lo- would love to imagine for myself. Let's pretend what general conference news could really look like. So they could address some of the doctrinal uh, questions that have perturbed us uh, as Latter-day Saints for mm-hmm. two centuries. Why is it that women can't have the priesthood? Let's let's ponder on that. Let's 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 get the answer. Uh, or, or hey. What when does life begin? Does it begin mm-hmm. at conception? Does it begin at three weeks in? What what when does it uh, when does it begin? What is the Lord's plan for using mm-hmm. stem cells? Remember, stem cells are often used from fetuses, uh, some of which are aborted mm-hmm. fetuses, um, which is yeah. some people's problems with vaccines and things like that, which mm-hmm. I think are somewhat irrational. But that, let's not get into that. Hey, this is the Lord's view on stem cells. This is why mm-hmm. when we should use them. This is when we shouldn't use them. Yeah. Let's also, um, let's uh, let's ponder on. Um, there's so many subjects out there that, hey, we don't have the answers to these subjects. Mm-hmm. And we pon- we are supposed to be led by revelation. The Lord mm-hmm. is supposed to be leading this church. 
we could be having new insights into all of these old conundrums that the church has had that we don't have answers to. Boy, wouldn't that be something? That's news. Yeah. Well, we could be revealing, moving forward the ball. What, there's answers to questions that people have. Has the Lord revealed every answer to virtually every doctrinal question that's out there? I sure hope not. Oh, obviously he hasn't. Oh. Other, you know, otherwise people wouldn't have questions. <laughs> we could also be presenting new, uh, instead of just having proclamations, which are, by the way, a fancy word for the word creeds, which Joseph Smith hated, by the way. In the first vision, uh, Jesus told Joseph that creeds are an abomination, but we have proclamations which are just souped up creeds. We could pre yeah. present those uh, proclamations to the yeah. membership, have them vote on it and ratified, and have them canonized. Sure. We could have all sorts of new revelations, just like the reorganized church. Their DNC goes up to like, I don't know, like 190 or something like that. Every conference, mm -hmm. they're ratifying new uh, revelations, new doctrine. They're doing things. They're making news. Well, and as far as the world stage goes, I mean, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been on the world stage for 200 plus years, in, or just about 200 years, I guess. Uh, we're coming up on that. But um, <clears throat> this is about where the Catholic Church was when they started to release their creeds, when, you know, when they had their council at Nicaea and uh, these creeds started to come out. So time wise, boy, you know, this would fit right alongside with it. That's a uh, great point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because going forward, I know that, you know, uh, there are several members of the church that I've talked to on a frequent basis. They're very convinced that the second coming is right around the corner we're right on the cusp of the millennium mm -hmm. and uh you know but in the event that that doesn't occur in the next hundred years we need to keep going keep keeping on you know mm -hmm. we gotta keep moving forward we still have to live in this world in this society so this would be actually be a good idea i think as far as uh, keeping all of the members of the church on the same page Yep, let's let's present the uh, proclamation of the family for a sustaining vote and let's canonize it. You know, That's right. let, let's make let's make some news here. Okay, the other news that, that could come out of general conference. Imagine this: the church has decided to. I'll just give you some examples that that I've been thinking about this week. The church has decided to partner with the World Health Organization that they're going to donate five hundred million dollars to the eradication of polio. The church is going to take this to the front, and we are going to be the ones to eliminate polio off of the face of the earth. We're going to pledge five hundred million dollars, and in three years, polio is going to be gone. Good or, for them. Or. The church has said, you know what, we are going to eliminate world hunger. And I've, I've seen the numbers on the elimination of world hunger. They say that it can be done with $10 billion. They are yeah. going to dip into Enzyme Peak. And they say, we are going to end world hunger. We're going to build soup kitchens all throughout Africa, all throughout all of these countries. Oh, we, we, we don't even have to go that far, Dives. I mean, there's people here in the United States going hungry. There's people in my neighborhood and your neighborhood going hungry. We just don't, we aren't aware of them. That, that's correct. We're going to yeah. end world hunger or we are going to uh, uh, have a ton of money that we're going to put towards vaccines or we're yeah. going to partner with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to have micro loans for people in Sri Lanka so that they can pull themselves out of the poverty situations that they're in. There's so much news that the church could make yeah. uh, using their vast, vast resources. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you, we're going to uh, start a chain of orphanages in Canada. We're going to dedicate uh, 300 orphanages. We are going to be the orphanages uh, of choice in Canada. We're going to stock these with senior missionaries who are going to take care of these of these needy children. Mm-hmm. We're going to divert it away from the missionary. Uh, we're going to take ha- a, a thousand missionaries a year, divert them away from proselyting, have all these orphanages, and we're going to end uh, you know the, the foster home problem in Canada. I'm just giving you a list of the things that the church has the ability to do right now that could make an incredible difference to um, the people on this earth and would be real news. Yeah. And it would, boy, can you imagine what these kids would feel like if they came home from a mission where they had gone and worked, you know, in a soup kitchen or in a, in an orphanage or in a school or a hospital somewhere instead of, instead of volunteering two years of their life to go and knock on doors, just have those same doors that have been slammed in every other missionary space, space before them. I mean, really, you could keep your proselyting uh, force going, but divert um, a bunch of that onto some charitable service missions. Well, you know, Al, the, now that you mentioned that, look, the church also releasing their statistics. They have 60,000 mm-hmm. proselyting missionaries now. Yes. They have mm-hmm. 30,000 service missionaries. Yeah. So it's growing. So it is that that aspect is growing. But, you know, a lot of these service missionaries are, um, you know, look, one of my missionaries that I was a companion for, we got to wrap this up. But one of my missionaries I was a companion for, he had he had special needs. He probably shouldn't have been a regular missionary. He was probably just not quite up for it as a service missionary. And you know what he did for his service mission? He spent the rest of his mission baptizing people for the dead in an LDS temple. Wow. So a lot of these service missionaries are, are called to do things that really don't have an impact to people in this life at this time. They are doing indexing, which is genealogy work. They are Mm -hmm. baptizing people for the dead. They are doing things that are not necessarily, um, um, that don't have a real impact in people today. And Mm -hmm. church could make real news at these general conferences by um, really changing their focus instead of on, see the church's focus has always been been uh, building up the kingdom of God on earth building the king that's what this tithing money is for it's not yeah. for feeding the sick doing uh, you know the hungry and all that other stuff that's you know we can do that but we are in the business of kingdom building and yeah. um temples are kingdom building soup kitchen yeah. and orphanages that's not kingdom building yeah i i sure wish that we could figure out a way to convince the church that that is exactly what kingdom building is though <laughs> because you know the, what's what's uh, in a kingdom besides the king i mean what's the point of having a kingdom if you don't have any people uh that can get by or survive to pay the taxes you know and i mean i'm just using the metaphor not to say that tithing is a tax per se but to you know if you keep extracting uh the tithing out of the membership and they're going hungry but you don't provide the soup kitchen where they can go and get a meal i mean they, they do have the bishop storehouse um but as anybody that's uh, grown up on uh, Bishop's Storehouse will tell you, they get they get real sick of Honey Nut Cheerios and uh, peanut butter and um, uh, sharp cheddar cheese in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I treasured all of my uh, service in the Bishop's Storehouse. That's one of my yeah. favorite uh, callings that I uh, not calling, but that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite service opportunities that I well, sure because I've it's done. one of the it's one of the few callings where there's actually some tangible good correct that you, right there in front of you that you can see that is right? 
I think yeah. uh, I think we're going to leave it there. We have covered yeah. a, a bit of the news programs. We're going to be keeping a sharp eye out on the news mm-hmm. on what's happening out there. I hope that uh, everyone out there that's listened to this first podcast, it's only going to get better from here. Okay, yep. so uh, we're, we're going to get better at this. Uh, we're, we're still learning uh, how to do this, but we're very excited about this topic. Eventually, mm-hmm. like I said, we're going to have a website where we're going to be able to engage with you. We're going to post these podcasts on the website. There'll be a discussion boards below it where people can discuss. People can submit articles to us. Uh, in, in the meantime, uh, thank you for le- uh, letting us, uh, uh, you know, uh, talk about ha- have ruminations on the great and spacious beehive. And uh, mm-hmm. we want to thank you so much for listening. Yep, And join us next week. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.